0: I wonder how you would answer the question, what makes a good wife? What makes a good wife? Hollywood has an answer, and it has to do with romance. Our hearts naturally have an answer, and it has to do with happiness. Happy wife, happy life. The Bible has an answer. And, put simply, it is that God makes good wives. Wives are no more free than their husbands are to choose what it is they should do in marriage. Marriage was made by God and marriage was made for God, not first for the couple. Wives will be evaluated by how they lined up with what God has said that they should do in marriage. But I want that to be an encouragement to you if you are a wife now or you may be a wife later. Because God is really, really good. And marriage done by the book, so to speak, is one of the greatest blessings you will ever find in this world. The title of the sermon is A Wife in Light of God. A Wife in Light of God. That doesn't maybe make total sense uh, just as it is. So let me just say this is a sermon That is about what God wants wives to do. But it's also a sermon about how wives are going to be able to do it. And it is in light of God. A wife can do all God says. Because of all he's done. That's the sermon in a sentence. A wife can do. All God says for her to do in marriage because of all he's done for her. And I have three points to represent the three roles that we see in these three passages of Scripture for what a, God, what a wife is in God's eyes. The first point is a wife is made by God to help. A wife is made by God to help her husband. We see this in Genesis 2, verses 18 through 25. God made the first woman to be a wife. And and what that means is that every single wife after her can learn what it is God wants them to do from just looking at this first wife. Listen to what he says in, in Genesis 2 verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then at the end of the chapter, he makes Eve wives. Are made by God to help. Now, listen, the wife being considered a helper is not some fad. This is not like fashion where it's hard to keep track. You know, are bell bottoms in right now? Are they out? Is it the high waters? Whatever. A wife being a helper is the reason that God gives. For creating wives. And for instituting marriage. When you think of wives being a helper. You you, you can't start thinking of slavery. Or. Or. You hear helper and you think menial servitude. Uh, You you think the help. I'm just the help. That's, That's not what he's getting at. Our culture has an attitude that views service roles as inferior. But beloved, God does not have that attitude towards service roles. This word help is used of God, that God helps more than a dozen times. So we already heard one of them from Psalm 33. It started out the service. Listen, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help. So wives, listen to me. When God says, I'll make you a helper, He is saying, I will make you to be like me. To embrace that. To happily embrace the role of a helper does not mean you are less valuable to God than your husband. We know this because one page before, one chapter before in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, what does it say? God made Man in his image. And he's talking about humanity there. And then he said, he, he, he clarifies male and female. He made them in his image. The value of a woman does not come from the role God calls her to play. The value for a woman in God's eyes Comes from her nature. She is made in God's image. She is God's image. She is on earth. With male. Those who we are supposed to look at. And see what God is like. So wives. This is what I mean when I say. You can help your husband. Because of what God's done. And who he made you to be. He made you. He made you, he he is giving you life now, just as he gave the first woman life. He is giving you grace now for your marriage. And he's giving you grace, first of all, to help your husband in the context of the home. To help your husband here in the context of the home. The help that, that Adam needed in Eden, this garden, uh, we see in verses 19 and 20, right after God says, I will make a helper fit for him. Then God parades all the animals so that Adam would be able to recognize that monkey can't help me in my home. No matter how advanced that monkey is. That three-toed sloth's too slow. The wife, then then he presents his wife to him. And the wife's primary place of ministry is in the home. That is true here in Genesis 2. It's also true in the Proverbs 31 woman in verse 27. It says, she looks well to the ways of her house. It's also true in Titus chapter 2 that older women who are Christians have this, this great opportunity to train younger women in the church to do what? To love their husbands, to love their children, to work at home, it says. Now, we also know she didn't just work at home. Uh, Proverbs 31, this woman makes sashes in the home and she sells it at the market. So there are going to be situations where the wife's ability to contribute financially may even be necessary for the home. But I do want to I do want to encourage you with this observation, ladies, that the main ministry that God has given to wives is in the home. So just be careful. That your activities outside the home. Don't get in the way. Of the home as your primary place of ministry. And brothers I want to encourage you. If your wife. Wants this. If what she wants. Is to make a home for you. She hears these sermons. And it hits her heart. And she wants to raise daughters. Who will. Trust God and by spending more time with their daughters in the home. Trust God in becoming helpers. If she wants to spend her time raising sons who will follow you, husband, in becoming men who, who, uh, who learn like Christ, who love like Christ, who lead like Christ, like we saw last week, I want to encourage you, brothers, do everything you possibly can to enable her to do that. Unless, of course, we think that the worldly comforts that we gain from her work is more valuable than a home, as God describes the home to be. So I just want to encourage the men here, sometime this week, ask your wife, is there anything I can do? To help you honor who God made you to be in putting our home first. So help your husband in the context of the home. But secondly, help your husband with companionship. Help your husband with companionship. Eve was described as a helper fit for Adam. That means she was exactly right for Adam and Adam knows it, doesn't he? Right when the monkey leaves and the three toed sloth finally gets off the scene. Right. God presents the woman to Adam and he says in verse 23. Adam says this at last, this is the one. This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Wives, when a man got down on one knee or whatever and asked you to be his wife. And when you not only said yes, but showed up and you both said, I do. What was happening in that moment is like what we see in Genesis 2. You both were discovering who it was. Specifically, precisely, and perfectly, God made for you. You were discovering wives who God made you to help and made you to help not feel alone. That's what verse 18 said. This is a companionship in Genesis 2 that is physical, Verses 24 and 25, when a man leaves his father and mother and holds fast to his wife, they become one flesh. They're both naked and not ashamed. Sex is a privilege that God creates only for marriage and sex. This quite literally fitting together of the man and His helper that is fit for him. It's it's something that God uses to fight off this loneliness. But helping your husband with companionship is not just physical. It's also emotional. So listen, men. Do not look for emotional companionship from any other woman. It's not for you. And women don't offer emotional companionship to any other man. That's not who God made that for. Wives, find out how it is that your husband is is dealing with the stresses that he is bearing. So that he doesn't feel alone. But also... Um, This help with companionship is it's physical, it's emotional, but it's also spiritual. Man and woman are both made in the image of God. They're both made to know God. This is the this is the overarching purpose, even outside of marriage, is that we would know God and make him known. So wives, help your husbands with this. There should be a spiritual companionship. Pray for your husband. Speak the truth to your husband and encourage your husband to put God and his relationship with Christ even above his relationship and devotion to you. It is a really common thing in our home for for Kelly to ask me, what do you need right now? I mean, I think I heard her say it twice this morning. What do you need right now? I think she'd excel at Chick-fil-A if she worked at Chick-fil-A. But I'm not I'm not trying to put you to work. You got a lot to do. Doing a lot in that home. But ladies, this would be really good if that became really normal for you. Just to come to your husband and say, "How can I help you right now?" Or, "How can I grow in blessing our home?" The first role God gives to a wife, we see she was made by God to help. And a wife can do that because of what God has done for her. But she can also, point number two, she's also empowered by the Spirit of God to submit. So let's turn now to our New Testaments and Ephesians chapter 5. Go go into the New Testament and... Past the Gospels and Acts and the large letters of Paul. We're in Ephesians, uh, which is after Galatians or Gentiles eat pork chops. Gentiles, Galatians eat Ephesians. Philippians, pork chops, Colossians. We're in it. We're in eat Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five. Let me read to us Ephesians chapter five. Starting in verse twenty two wives. it's it's nothing short of a miracle that my relationship with Toby, Tobias, my King Charles Spaniel, is as good as it is. It it had uh, I, I admit a very rough start. You see, we were told that whenever you get a boy dog, Toby's a boy, that the man of the house should do something, and that is to flip the dog onto his back and expose his belly and hold his shoulders down and say in a very stern voice, I am the alpha dog. You will submit. (laughs) And my kids are turning red right now because they know daddy did what the trainer told (laughs) him. Toby didn't like it too much. Just held him there and I kept saying it. I'm the alpha dog. You will submit. Don't you think you came up in this place and you're going to take control? I don't know what you think about my dog training practices, but I'll tell you this. Uh, I know my wife is not my dog. Brothers, God is talking to wives. In verse 22. We can hear him talking to wives, but he's talking to wives, he's not talking to you. He's telling wives to be submissive. He's not telling husbands to be enforcers. So, let me me make this point. God wants you, and that's every person here, God wants you to focus on what he says to you. That's your focus. Wives, verse 22, be submissive. And then we get to husbands, verse 25, we talked about this last week. You focus on being loving. Let me, let me say something to the children here. I've been pastoring long enough to know that I would spare you from the momentary comfort you will get if you settle for a spouse who is ungodly. Because often in those cases, years of pain follow. And let me, let me also say this to you, children. Who you marry, it is, I mean, it is, I can't even tell you how important it is. And being a godly spouse is more important. Than who you marry. It's essential for Christians to marry another Christian. But your focus, I want to tell you this, children, from right now, is God is concerned with you listening to what He says to you. So, boys, become, seek to become, and focus on these qualities that he is linking up with your gender as a boy and girls you focus first yes pray for a husband and and don't settle for an unbelieving husband but you work now with prayer and through the encouragement of your parents to become the qualities that he's laying out here to be this kind of wife one day that should be at the focus now, a wife is to submit, and, we, and, and we're and we given these three phrases that I just want to walk through in these verses, three phrases to help us understand it. First of all, wives submit, here's the phrase, to your own husbands. God is not calling women to submit to every man, but he is, he is calling. God is the one who says, wives submit to your husbands. So, I remember the the grief I caught when I was getting married, and my coworkers came to the wedding. And a lady who I worked with, who was like 20 years older than me, had been married for decades. Um, she confronted me. I cannot believe that you included in your vows that she needed to submit to you. I. I want to acknowledge with her, this is a hard ask for wives to submit to their husbands. But that's not just because husbands are selfish and we are selfish. And that makes this hard. But this is also a hard ask because every daughter of Eve... God says, is predisposed, you could say, to stealing the pants in the family. Genesis 3 says, right after sin entered the world, God says, this is your punishment to the wife who stole leadership. You will continue to desire to rule over your wife or your husband." Every wife, you should believe that God is talking to you and about you. That that is your inclination. And you should be wise. Because Romans chapter 13 says that every authority on earth was installed by God. And if you resist the authorities that he's put in place, you will be judged. So embrace this. He calls you to submit to your own husband. And how you relate to your husband is a reflection of how you're relating to God. That brings us to the second phrase where he says, submit to your husband as to the Lord. As to the Lord. So I remember the world's wedding advice. I got it. I was told... About to get married. Look. Just do what she says. And everything will be great. Well. The Lord is giving out wedding advice. And he explicitly said in Genesis chapter 3. Whenever he was punishing Adam for his sin. It's because you listened to your wife. It's because you did what she said. And the reason you did that. And the reason Eve did that is because you both are under the influence of Satan. Wives, I'm encouraging you to take God's view of this because God's view of this is unsubmissive wives are satanic. Passive husbands And harsh husbands are satanic under the influence of Satan. And yet here in Ephesians chapter 5, we are told there is a way, wives, that you will be able to actually submit to your husbands. And it's if you come increasingly under the influence of another spirit. Right above this, chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, don't be under the influence of wine. Don't take in a bunch of wine. That will take over and start controlling you and ruling you. You need to be ruled. You need to take in the spirit of God. You need to be a woman of prayer. A woman of the word. A woman who surrounds yourself with godly sisters. Who will encourage you and pray for you. And then you will be empowered by the spirit to submit. You can do all God says as a wife because of what God has done. Now, to submit means to arrange or to place yourself under. And the way that Paul talks about it is just as every single Christian should voluntarily surrender to Christ's will a wife in light of God will have an attitude and a posture of voluntary surrender to the will of her husband. Because that's what her Savior wants her to do. As to the Lord. So what this means is, if you want to know how far A wife has come as a Christian. Don't look at her involvement in BSF. Don't just look at her child's affection for her. Don't just notice the part she plays in the church. If you want to know how far a wife has come as a Christian, look at what she does. When she disagrees with her husband's leadership. Almost 20 years ago now, Kelly had the, the pick of several jobs in, in Fort Worth. Um, that was where both of our families were. And that was very appealing. And then I said, we don't need to do that. We need to move across the country where you're going to have to settle for the one job you're offered, where we know no one, just so that I can get better trained at ministry. And that was a real moment. That was really hard. And she submitted Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Submit to your husband because the one who is telling you to do that is good. And he is gracious. And he will never do you wrong. Now I hear what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but. So let me address that. And that comes from the third phrase. Wives, submit to your husbands in everything. In everything. Submit to your husbands in every decision. That he is allowed to make. That he is allowed to make. And he's not allowed to make every decision. Husbands don't have the authority to ask their wives to sin. That's what the apostle said in Acts chapter 5. Whenever they were commanded to stop talking about Jesus, they said, no, no, no. We will obey God and not man. Husbands don't have the authority to ask their wives to sin. And we don't have the authority to ask our wives to break the law. Again, Romans 13 chapter or verse 1. God has installed governing authorities. And they bear the sword because God has given them a sword. So, wives, do not submit to your husband's desire. To see pornography just to spice up the marriage. Do not submit to your husband's suggestion that the next year will be easier on you if you just cheat a little bit on your taxes. Do not submit to his request that you would just be okay with and support and supply for his addiction. Do not submit to his insistence that you not tell the authorities whenever he's been physically abusive to you or to the children. Do not submit when he tells you not to tell the elders that he's living in unrepentant sin. God has established authorities over the husband. And God is Lord over all. And and here's another thing. Wives... When you submit, submit as a helper. What I mean is, husbands should consult their wives. And often, we should make our plans in light of the wisdom that God is giving to us through our wives. But with all that said, ladies, you need to get ready. For the temptation. You are going to face. And this is, the, this is the main one I think. You face. And that is not to submit to your husband. Not because what he's asking is sinful. But because he is sinful. You'll be tempted because he's sinful. Not to submit. But that is why we had 1 Peter 3 read earlier. That's the exact scenario. And God says there, I want wives to submit even when their husbands are disobeying the word. And you stretch that out. And what that means is even when your husbands don't obey any of the word, don't obey God at all, are unbelievers. So, ladies, don't sin against your God by refusing to submit to your husband just because he's sinful in the way that he's leading. What that means is, ladies, your husband is going to have some stupid ideas and some stupid plans. And if they're not sinful and if they're not illegal... Maybe I should say it again. If they're not sinful and they're not illegal, you should submit. You should do so with confidence that the Lord's face is shining upon you. That he is pleased with his beloved daughter. And that he will take care of you. And he will take care of your husband as well. Brothers, this will be much easier for our wives if it is clear that we know who the alpha dog is and it ain't us. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day we will stand before him and answer for whether we used our leadership and authority in a way that is reflective of him and that is pleasing to him. And, brothers, I want to say this, and I hope this is an encouragement also to the children. Finding a submissive wife in this world, in this world of self-obsessed rebels, finding this kind of wife is. More amazing than finding life on Mars. It it is. She could not be that apart from God's gracious intervention. And if you know even a taste of that grace. Well, brothers. Cherish her. Don't trade her for a trillion dollars. And guard her. Guard her from discouragement and tell her all the ways that she has grown and that she is growing. And you make sure she knows just how precious she is to you. Before we leave Ephesians 5, I do want to see the end of the passage in verse 31 where it says... A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. They become one flesh. That's the Genesis 2 passage we saw. But verse 32 says this mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's what's at stake. And wives who submit. So you're telling the world just how worthy Christ is of submitting to. You're modeling for Redeemer Church how much we should submit to Him. What a calling. How impossible. With God. All things. Are possible. Wife can do what God says because of what God has done. He's given you the spirit to empower you to do this. The role of a wife is to help. Help. In light of the Creator. A role of a wife is to submit in light of God the Spirit. And now we add the role of a wife is to respect in light of God the Son. In light of God the Son. Point number three is wives are redeemed by Christ to respect. Turn with me to first Peter chapter three. Turn to the right before you get to John's letters and Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll read again in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one. That's one to ob- obedience. That's one to the Lord. They may be one Without you saying a word, but instead by the conduct of their submissive and respectful wives. He says likewise, what he's doing is he's 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 telling wives explicitly how wives are to follow Christ. Remember from last week, this comes in the context of chapter two, verse twenty one, where where God says it is gracious in his sight for. For his people to face unjust suffering, to go through hard things and to be so filled in your mind with God that you are able to endure those hard things. And the example that's laid out for us is Jesus Christ, who was provoked by sinful men, wives, sort of lays out for us. And and what does he do? He, He doesn't retaliate. He doesn't make threats. But he submits himself. Jesus. God is not only a helper. God is someone who submits. Jesus submits to God. And God's will for him. That he has come there to die for sinners. Wives. You've been redeemed by Christ. It says. Partly for this purpose. To respect your husbands. And you can do this because of what Christ has already done for you. That's what he's saying. Christ has already suffered for your sins. Christ has already washed away all your guilt. Christ has already made a way for you to be in perfect peace forever and ever with God. That's how you can do this. And that is... The most important message for each one of us here is to know that apart from Christ, we would live forever away from God. But Christ has come. The son of God has died on the cross. He did not sin in those moments so that he would have no sin to die for. So that when he dies for sin, he dies for other people's sins. And Christ. Exchanges his righteousness with ours so that we have the perfect record in order to be with a perfect God. And that means. If you're convicted right now because you're a failing wife, Christ has died for sinners to forgive people like you. And. If you're here and you realize as a husband, you've been harsh. That's what you're focused on is how crushing you have been toward God's daughter. Christ died for sinners and he can forgive you as well. If you're here and you're not a husband, you're not a wife, but you're, you know you're a God denying rebel. Christ died for sinners and he can make peace between you and God as well. If you trust in him and turn from your sin. Wives, you're going to need to keep doing this. You're going to need to keep the cross in front of your in front of your eyes. That's why this fall is right after looking at the cross. And what that means for you is even if your marriage is really hard. And even if your husband is really harsh. You need to believe this. God is not punishing you for your sins. Your marriage is not a punishment to you. He's not being unkind to you. He loves you. He died for you. He will never do you any wrong. You, in this hard marriage, have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls, and he will guide you all the way to heaven. And along the way, wives have this powerful influence, that says in verses 1 and 2, even when their husbands are living in a spirit of of rebellion. Wives, you still have influence, but it says in that case, when your husband is living in a spirit of rebellion, your influence is not verbal. It's behavioral. They may be won without a word by the conduct and behavior of their respectful wives. I want you to see the connection. This was in Ephesians five, but we didn't look at it. First Peter three. This connection is here again, and that is that respect. Respect. Um, the call to respect husbands is related to this call to submit to husbands. So verse chapter three, verse one: Wives submit to your husbands, and then there's this respectful conduct in verse two. They're connected to one another essentially. And then in verse five, it says, this is how holy women have always hoped in God by submitting to their husbands. But notice how it's explained in verse six. Sarah has this attitude of calling and viewing her husband as Lord and respectful. So this is what this means. Those who submit to their husbands outwardly can do so if they first respect their husbands inwardly. That's why he starts talking about the hidden person of your heart. So I understand that T-Swift is in the news again. Y'all know T-Swizzles? Y'all know. I'll be acting like we have a church. I'm going to act like you're not listening to T-Swizzles over here. Or she got her a new man. I thought we just got done hearing about how she was singing about some... Dirty dog from before. Romance is a fickle thing. And ladies, understand God is not fickle. What I mean is, he's not attracted to this one thing one day, and then he's tra- attracted to something else some other day. God's standard of beauty is described as imperishable in the sense that it never changes the holy women of old were beautiful to him and they're still beautiful in the same way. And here's the standard in verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Which in God's sight is very precious. Respectful wives have this beauty mark. It's all over them. It's the mark of gentleness. Or kindness. Where she is more concerned about others and especially more concerned about her husband than she is of herself. Respectful wives are not hard. They're not demanding. They're not nagging or manipulating to get what they want. They're gentle. They suggest. They're gentle in their suggestions, not demanding. Respectful wives bear the beauty mark, not only of gentleness, but also of quietness. A respectful wife is not quarrelsome. Someone who's constantly blaming her husband. Someone who is tempting her husband to sleep up on that roof, because it'd be better to do that than to sleep next to her, the proverbs say. A respectful wife is quiet. And this is what it means to have quietness of heart. It means to have a calm heart. It's a heart that is calmed by a complete confidence in the Lord. Not in the husband. A complete confidence in the Lord. That's why it's described in verses 5 and 6 as this is how they hoped in God. Their hope is placed totally in God. Gentle and quiet wives respect their husbands. And that word respect comes from the word fear. It's the same word. It's used elsewhere of the regard we're all supposed to have for God. But God is not saying that wives should be scared of their husbands. what, What he's saying when he says fear or respect is that wives need to see to it. There's a command that you respect and honor your husband. So I want to encourage you. Wives, look for ways to celebrate your husband's strengths. That will make him feel respected. Look for a way to, to celebrate his successes. This, this will make him feel respected if you are resisting the temptation to roll your eyes when he's wrong. Or to laugh at him. Make sure you have figured out what it is that makes your husband feel respected and what it is that makes your husband feel disrespected. You can respect him by being a champion of the decisions he makes. You're out there telling everyone what a good idea it is. And you cheer him on in private. And you cheer him on in public. And you honor his wishes for how the children are raised. My children run to me. Now, this is not a wish that I expressed to my wife. I never had to tell her anything. They run to me every time I come to the come to the door because they've watched their mom treat me with respect. I want to encourage you to respect your husbands. And one really good thing for you to do would be to find, not the holy women of old, yes, study Sarah, study all of them, but find the holy women of today and spend time with them. Spend time with my wife. Spend time with Susan and Sarah and Kim and Emily and Marcia, and Val and the Katie's and Linda and others. You can spot them if you look. Wives who were excelling at respect. By the, you, you can see this by, by the esteem that their husband kind of knows that he has from her. But in the same way, a wife who resists what God says, a wife who resists what God says can also be seen on their husband. I'm just going to shoot straight with you a little pastoral observation pastors are called to know the sheep and watch the sheep and sometimes a man can carry around a nervous energy because he's scared he's scared of upsetting his wife He knows, he's been trained to know if he does not fall in line with what she wants, he is going to pay. And ladies, I just want to say being demanding and being easy to offend is just another way to try to rule over your husband. I wonder, would you be willing to ask your husband this week Do my expectations of you make you afraid to offend me? Now, if he is an unbelieving man, or if he is a harsh man, or if he is a passive man, then you may need to process whatever he says with a trusted sister. But if he's a godly man, you should listen to what he says. And brothers, I want to encourage you, don't miss this opportunity. If your wife is humble enough to respond by asking you that question, don't miss the opportunity to encourage her growth in what God wants for her. And do not miss the opportunity that God is giving you to be gentle. A husband cannot lead his wife if he is afraid of her. So wives, you would be wise to free your husband up to lead you. Kelly and I got engaged less than nine months after God saved me. And going through these two sermons just had me reflecting upon this. I need to share it with you. I was not looking for a helper. I was not looking for a wife to submit to me or to respect me. I was head over heels for Kelly before God saved me. I would just be pleased if she would say yes to being with me forever and me not being miserable without her. I tell you that. And I also tell you this. Kelly had no role models of this. She had to grow in these qualities. And I'll just say, because I've got the mic, she excels in these things. You know what that means? It means that God is gracious. Gracious hear me, God is gracious. If you were discouraged by how far you have to go to be a godly wife or a godly husband, if you're afraid that your spouse will never be who God calls them to be, listen to me, hope in God. Hope in the creator who is all-powerful, And who will give you everything you need hope in the spirit who will guide you into all wisdom and who will give you the power that you lack in order to resist your sinful temptations and trust the Lord and hope in the son who forgives and the shepherd who's going to lead us back to God. That is the God who is at work in our marriages. Friends, listen to me. The greatest factor in who you are as a spouse and who you can become as a spouse. The greatest factor in what your marriage can become is not what your marriage is now. It's not what you or your spouse are doing right now. The God of all grace is the greatest factor in our marriages. Hope in him. He is a helper after all. Heavenly Father, we... Come to you and we ask that you would take this full message and bear much fruit in it. God, pour out your grace upon your daughters who you love dearly and enable them to do all you say because of all you've done. And we ask this in Jesus name. Amen.